Hey everyone, welcome back to our Deep Dive podcast. This is Tracy Wild Pace, and I am the pastor of our Capital Young Adult uh, Ministry, which is our college and young adult ministry of our church here at Capital Church. And today again, I have my big brother, our lead pastor of Capital Church, Chris Wild, with us. Um, we're trying to make him a uh, regular co-host, um, which is the the big aim. And it is fun for us because Chris and I have talked about um, doing this podcast for quite a few years yeah. now. And so it's kind of fun to see it uh, come into reality. And we do want you to know we're brother and sister. So we're yes. sorry that we'll have like our childhood digressions. And, yeah. Reference. We yeah. don't know what'll come out, but it's uh, it's sort of like almost like therapy. Does it sort of feel like I, therapy for you? Yeah. Last episode felt really good. Trace. <laughs> uh, it's fun for us and we hope you enjoy it. We do want you to know, especially this one today, we're going to, yeah. and this is what I love about the deep type podcast is we're going to have some weeks where it'll be really deeping dive uh, diving deep sorry into scripture like we did i think the last couple podcasts yeah. we talked about the living water we took some of text and fleshed that out and unpacked some of that stuff which is fun today we want to do something a little bit different which is also going to be something we do throughout this podcast which is taking something that maybe is happening right now in our world and and, and talk about it i think everyone who is going to listen to this is experiencing some sort of ramifications or dealing with the reality of the current pandemic that we're living in um this is crazy when i think about this there's no one living on planet earth right now who's ever lived through a pandemic this is the first pandemic in a hundred and some years right so our grandma um our grandma doris is 99 she'll be a hundred in october and uh, she recently told me she's never experienced anything like this in her life. Isn't that incredible? It's crazy. Yeah. Like, she's yeah. going to be 100 years old. And, um, you know, she's lived through a lot. Yeah. She's lived through World War II, Great Depression, uh, Vietnam. Like, what else? Like, just crazy amount of mm-hmm. things. And she told us um, this is this is by far the most interesting thing. Yeah. And I'm... And, I don't know. That just kind of weirds me out <laughs> too. I'm like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? But at the same time, it 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 begs us to talk about it, especially as a Christian community. Like, what is our response to these kind of pandemics or issues? I mean, my God, I hope we never have another one of these in our lifetime. Yeah. And the rea- and history would say we won't. That's you know, yeah. it, it it would be rare um, to have a like another one of these. But how do we handle what's going on right now? So. This is the cultural moment. We're living within a pandemic, aka COVID nineteen, and um, and it's weird, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, um, and weird in the sense of, and and I want to be so sensitive. I mean, I know it has impacted um, a lot of mm-hmm. not just Americans. And what else is interesting? And I know everyone has talked about this. We're not saying anything new. I don't think when we speak about this, but. You've never felt glo- you've never felt globally closer, yeah, or closer to the world, yeah. right? Than this, because we've never had anything, yeah. um, in our lifetime, um, that has brought the whole world into kind of a similar, like situation. Yeah. So, um, it is. It's a global pandemic. It's a thing that's happening and affecting every single person on the planet. And yet, as Christians, um, we are, in a sense, mandated to have, I think, based scripturally, it's like there's got to be a response that we're supposed to have. There's supposed to be a way that we respond and react to what's going on in the world. And Chris, this is what I really want to talk about, because I think I don't think I'm the only one who thinks this, but 
it feels like, maybe I'll say that, I'm using such like counseling language, right? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like to me. Because <laughs> you've had so much counseling. <laughs> or I need it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it feels like there's two very polar opposite extremes when it comes to um, how you feel about this current pandemic or what you feel about, let's say, just let's just talk about coronavirus or COVID-19 or the reactions or the responses. You have... One side is like the neoconservatives, constitutionalists that are a little bit not okay with the government's um, involvement or mandating things or the shutting down of businesses or even churches, houses of worship. I know a lot of people are frustrated and feel like that the church shouldn't be under that rule of law. Um, And then you have the other side, which also feels like an extreme um, and I want to be sensitive to this because I believe there's Christians who are on both extremes, yeah, like yeah. living within both. I'm not saying that one is the gospel and one isn't. I'm saying Christians are living on both ends of the spectrum. But I, I'm asking the question, um, and I don't even think I know the answer. I'm just hoping somehow miraculously during this podcast we come we'll up with something it. something <laughs> out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's the yeah. response? So the other extreme is like, you know, the progressive liberals who... I mean, not to poke light of any of this, but I mean, I think they they live for the day that we all line up and we all get a coronavirus vaccine and it's mandated. Like it's, you know, things like that. That it's like, and I know I'm being hyperbolic. Yes, I'm being hyperbolic in caricatures. But I'm trying. What I'm trying to do is just. I think everyone feels that a little bit. Like if you don't, just go on Facebook for like ten minutes and go through your feed, and you'll just be like, one person is like posting something that's like. I don't even know. I, I basically, honestly, I stopped reading most of it because yeah. it, it's confusing to me. But all that to say, I think deep down within this, there has to be and there must be. And Jesus is certainly trying to point us to a proper response to where we're living within this cultural moment. And I brought you on because I want you to tell us what it is. <laughs> so Help us, Jesus. We're going to make this podcast quick. Could yeah, you just yeah, tell us, yeah, give us the answer? Yeah. But no, seriously, what, what, I mean, what are your yeah, thoughts on yeah. it? And- no, and I agree with you. I think the, the global consequences of COVID-19 has had the effect of bringing us together. Mm-hmm. So I think there's that global that solidarity. And that and the yeah, memes. Yeah, the memes are getting us through, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and obviously not to be insensitive because people are really suffering. Right. right? Um, but I think obviously the consequences is to bring, uh, you can call it our global village, whatever, together. And so I, I agree with you. I think there's a renewed sense of, hey, we're, we are in this together. We're identifying with each, with each other. The problem, as we have seen over the last few weeks, is that there's been a, like a fracturing, right, of mm-hmm. our... Specifically, our national conversation, right? So you have, you have people taking sides uh, when it comes to how we should respond to, to COVID nineteen, and I, there's a lot to be said about this. And I'm not going to deal with politics, right? Um, I I think to, to answer your question, uh, my first response is I think as Christians, first we have to be honest, hmm. and by being honest, I think we got to be honest about suffering um, before we try to find the tension and this is where i'm a little aristotelian not not when it comes to metaphysics but when it comes to to ethics uh nicobachian ethics aristotle wrote stuff on ethics anyways there's a sense where um truth is found in the tension of two opposites Mm -hmm. right and so um i i you know i think we have to do our best as followers of jesus to try to find 
uh, that tension. But I think before we get to that point, we can talk a little, a little bit about that. We have to be honest about suffering because I think in our current secular moment, we haven't been honest about suffering. Mm-hmm. We haven't been honest about death. Right. I mean, it's crazy. You go on CNN and people are probably judging me because I went on CNN um, <laughs> or Fox News, whatever, right. whatever your news source is. Remember the very uh, first two or three weeks you had a daily death count. Yeah. And for me, it was a shock mm-hmm. um, to see that death count rise and to imagine, right, what was happening in these hospitals and what was happening to our frontline workers and healthcare, the healthcare industry as they are um, attempting to heal and take care of seriously sick um, uh, patients. And so I, I think for some time, it's been happening for a while, but we've been the, in the modern West, in particular North America, and obviously we're talking about United States of America, we've lived in a bubble for some mm, time. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, many scholars will say, if you go back to early America, the average life expectancy was 40, right? Wow. Um, I think one, I could be skewing the facts here, but one out of three kids would not make it into adulthood in early America. Death was pervasive, yeah. right? It was common to see death all around you. Um, and, and I think I mentioned this in the episode before, but thank God for medicine and thank God for yeah, technology. Right. And we, we live longer and we have hospitals and we have great doctors who take care of us. The shadow side of that is we have, in effect, removed death and suffering from our con- national consciousness. So the narrative script... We think we don't deserve to die. Like there's almost this like... And I think it's un- largely unconscious. Yeah. But I think in the modern Western world, we just kind of work from an assumption that we're, we're immortal. Right, right. We're gods, right? Yeah. And I, this pandemic impinges <laughs> on that, uh, that maybe latent or um, implicit uh, assumption. And so um, our national script or our cultural script or plot line has centered around or been structured around um, success, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about success, yep. which is great, but um, we haven't done a good job of talking talking about suffering or, and or um, death. And uh, this is just my one critique in this um, podcast, Preacher's Lie, so there'll probably be three or four or more <laughs> of these. But when it comes to uh, our secular moment, Um, I think in order in the modern Western world, and this is just my perspective and my opinion, in order for secularism to flourish, it has to have good success stories. Wow. Um, Because secular, at the root of it, to be secular, um, is to imagine a world where there's nothing after death. Mm -hmm. Um, It's to imagine what the the great existentialists in the 20th century imagine is that we are meaning... Uh, seeking creatures, but there's no meaning in this world. Wow. And they name that absurdity, right? So I think as um, as secular thinkers, you have to do a very good job of removing death stories and suffering and really get the people to focus on success because the secular story doesn't have resources to deal with, with suffering, with suffering <laughs> and death. Yeah, That's where, where followers of Jesus come in. We've been talking about suffering right. um, for 2,000 years, right? Uh, we were not afraid of death. Um, we believe, and the Bible is very clear in this, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that death is not like a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that is just naturally occurring a part of this world. No, 
Paul makes it very clear that death's an enemy. It's like this rogue, violent intruder that has defaced God's beautiful world. Yeah. Uh, the good news, and this is the good news of following Jesus, is that Jesus came back from the dead. dead. So in the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus, um, Paul doesn't re-describe death, right, as just simply going to heaven and being a part of this disembodied world where you shine like Rihanna's diamonds or whatever, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Thanks for the Your last. favorite. That's well, it's just favorite. like I was waiting for it. Yeah, I know, I know. If you go to Capitol Church, you've You'll heard hear that, that one all before. The time. You'll hear that all the time. <laughs> um, so Paul doesn't re-describe death. Paul makes it very clear that in the death of Jesus and his resurrection, death itself has been reversed. And so that's the good news, um, that Jesus has won the victory over death, right? He suffered for us. And uh, it's through suffering that God redemptively works all things out for the good of his people. So I, I think to, to begin to answer the question that you asked me, uh, I think as Christians, we got to be honest with ourselves and yeah. we got to be honest about suffering and death. Mm -hmm. um, and um, start having, and I think just as, um, I don't know, as a follow-up to what we're talking about, I think we need to figure out creative ways where we can start talking about this with um, our family and friends, et cetera. So do you think, that's fascinating, would you say that secular, secular thought, this particular secularism and thought towards this baseline of success is sort of what motivates it and keeps it moving has colluded or has drifted into let's say the mind of many christians or jesus followers today and we don't really realize that maybe we live within a i don't i'm making up these phrases as no, i go yeah, yeah. and by the way this conversation chris and i have is very unrehearsed yeah. we're just hoping it lands yeah. but this it's almost as if we have a secular Christian mind. Like we have it they're 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 not working together, but we kind of live with both. We have part Christian, part secular, and probably don't even realize mm -hmm. that I'm you know, I'm we're we're twenty first century American Christians that have lived with just about everything, right? We've been given um great opportunities. So then when suffering does come, we don't have we don't have an answer and we don't, I don't even know if we, and maybe this is our fault. Maybe this is the church hasn't done as much as we could. We don't know how to explain it. We don't know how to respond to it. Yeah. And we don't know, because ultimately I think what you're saying or what I'm hearing you say is that um, it, it does feel like we think we don't deserve to suffer. We're Americans, right? Yeah. And we have all the technology, all of the enterprise, all the commerce, all the capital, all the opportunity, all the liberties, all the freedom in the world, um, we shouldn't endure this. But gosh, you read all the New Testament, and you know, First and Second Peter are two of the least read books in the New Testament. Throw in Jude was yeah. the last time you could memorize anything or quote yeah. anything from Jude, especially Second Peter and 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 Jude. But there's a lot of talk about suffering in those books, especially Peter. Peter's letters, he talks so much about what what does what does uh suffering produce yeah. it produces an endurance yeah. it produces faith it produces an ability to um um i think it produces this opportunity to be closer to jesus and yeah. identify with jesus yeah. but we're afraid of it i guess yeah. i don't know yeah well yeah no and i 
I, I think, and being a pastor, I can speak for pastors, and not to generalize. But again, I think we probably haven't done as pastors as good of a job in preparing our people hmm. for suffering. Um, and again, not to bring any judgment on anybody, right? but I think the pandemic, at least for me personally, has um, revealed uh, ways in which I could have done better in preparing our people for uh, suffering and very difficult things. And a lot of it is we just, again, we just lived in this once. I mean, if you think about all of human history, we're probably the one generation that has not experienced right. catastrophes. So, yeah. Like this. And, you know, we. I mean, 9 11 for us was probably question. the yeah. greatest crisis that yeah. we have lived yeah. through. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm my husband doesn't even really remember 9 11. Like he's yeah. he's younger, and so it's like that's crazy. So you have mm-hmm. a generation right now that doesn't have any, like has no probably connection to any catastrophe. Yeah, or like crisis. war, and obviously there are wars, mm-hmm. global wars, and there's suffering. But yeah, it's been pushed to the margins, and so we're just not we're not aware of it. It's not it's not woven into the plot line. Yeah. Of 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 our American story. Right. And so, and, and I, I don't know where it is, but it's Psalm something. And Moses writes, right? Um, it's good to number. Or he said, teach me to, to number, number my days. My days. Yeah. And every great philosopher will tell you that if you're serious about life, you have to be serious about death. Huh. Um, that's the foundation. And you go to you go to you go to wisdom lit. In, in the Bible, and it seems to point that way, that the foundation piece of wisdom is learning to talk about some of these difficult subjects, yeah. right? Um, and when we can talk about those difficult subjects, we are then uh, ready to seriously take on joy and hope mm. and peace and shalom and righteousness and all those things. But this is a conversation that we have to have uh, we got to be honest about um, in order to, I think, enter into the fullness that God has for us. Absolutely. And isn't it the story? It's the early Christian story. The early Christian story was persecution, was suffering, was um, living under, honestly, the threat of death all the time. When you read Paul's letters, when you read what Peter says, you read you know you read james read the book of james and you see that it's the 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 theme throughout is enduring through undercounted all joy through various trials we look at oh my god trials yeah what is he talking about like christians who are being persecuted people who are living in the early centuries who were you know they they didn't know or if they were going to live for following jesus and they had friends they saw people in rome you know, Christians were, you know, like burned at the stake and many of their friends were put into prison for um, for following Jesus or proselytizing um, the faith. And so we don't, I, I, we're so far removed from persecution yeah. and suffering that I wonder if that's why now we, we don't, we 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 struggle to sympathize empathize with other people with anybody else's perspective we're not very sensitive to how people respond to it we just expect everyone to respond and feel the exact same way we do i don't i get i don't know if that's an american way that's a human way i don't know but it certainly seems to be 
um, prevalent in yeah. our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you go into a store and it's weird. It's like if someone's wearing a mask, there's half people that are like slightly judge them. And then if someone isn't wearing a mask, it's like then there's people that you feel judged or it's it's just it's crazy yeah. what we're living in. And my fear is that Christians are um, buying into it and we're not. And I'm speaking for myself. I'm speaking to the choir. I'm, I'm literally having this conversation so I can make yeah. sure that I'm responding correctly. Yeah. But it's like I just want us to respond the way Jesus would would desire us to respond in this season. I know this. This pandemic is not a surprise to God. God did not cause yeah. it. But it certainly is not a surprise to him. And so with that, there's confidence in knowing, okay, God knows that we as Christians, we can rise to the occasion and we can respond in such a way that actually leads more people into the hope that we have in Jesus. Yeah. But I think a lot of that is, and I'm and I've I, I think it's um it's not Rodney Stark that says it. I'm trying to remember who I I can't remember who said it, but they say the best propaganda for Christianity is living a Christian life. Yeah. And so I think one of the great opportunities right now is for us to show the world what it means to be Christian and also to find hope in Jesus is just to be Christian. But my question is, what does it mean to be Christian right now? What 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 should we look like? What should we be saying? How do we talk when we have these polar opposite extremes um, and each thinks their gospel truth? So what do we say to you know any listener, any of us that are wondering, okay, so what does that mean? Um, about my everyday ordinary life when it comes to what I'm posting on Facebook or what I'm talking to my neighbors about or how I treat people that have a different perspective than me. How, what's the Christian response in that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, again, uh, as we work from being honest, like, you know, a lot of Christians are afraid, right? Yeah. And I think we can be, we, we can, if, if I can just encourage anybody who's listening to this who might be feeling anxiety or fear or whatever, right? Disillusionment, depression. Yeah, uh, it's okay to to feel that, right? Uh, but as followers of Jesus, we have a promise that um, God's presence is available to us, so we can direct that to Him. Yeah. And so, when it comes to any form of grief, personally, as followers of Jesus, we have hope, right? So we can be honest about grief, but we also can have hope. Yeah. So we can grieve and we, again we bifurcate reality so we think these two realities can't work together grieving and having hope <laughs> right right but the bible makes it very clear you can see this in thessalonians that we're called to have hope filled grief yeah right so that means we can grieve and we can feel it like feel that death or death of a loved one or death of maybe a business yeah loss of a job or economy or maybe a future yeah. or an IRA, I mean, well, whatever, right? You can feel that, but we also have hope, yeah. right? Uh, as followers of Jesus, because we believe that Jesus is the king over all things, space and time and matter, creation itself. And he will make all things right. Mm-hmm. So, but as we work from that, I think just to, to answer now your question, how, how, do we, how do we find a tension between these two opposites as followers of yeah. Jesus? I think James 1 helps in yeah. verse 19, and he writes this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow, slow to, to speak, speak. Yeah. slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so I, I think, man, if we could somehow, and this is really practical. Yeah, I love that though. Yeah. But I think if we can learn, and I think you mentioned it, if we can listen to the other side, um, be slow to respond 
with our opinion. <laughs> I think in many ways, down. how about we downgrade our opinion, yeah. right? Uh, bad preacher joke, but there's no first and second opinions in the Bible. <laughs> bad. I know it's horrible. No, I still think that's funny. Though. Yeah. But um, I think if we can learn to prioritize what's essential, what's not essential, non-essential, uh, and then in all things, we just practice a little bit more humility. Yeah. And so St. Augustine, he had a dictum, right? Yeah, I love that. And I love it. He says, in, it, it's attributed to him. It could, we don't know yeah. for sure. But he essentially said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, humility, but in all things, charity. charity yeah. And so I think if we can practice that, if we can practice charity, understand that, yeah, opinions are opinions. Right. right? Um, but if if we can keep them as opinions, and rather than pushing up pushing them up into the essential category, if right. we keep them in the non-essential, which I don't mean non-important. Right. They are important. Right. Our opinions do matter. Yeah. Um, but I think many times we take our opinions and we push them up into this is the gospel truth. Yeah. I just think we got to be careful of that when we're interacting with people who have a different opinion than us. Um, but in everything that we do is we practice humility, yeah. right? Uh, we have to uh, learn to practice uh, self-giving love. Yeah. And uh, and we, we say this all the time, and it obviously it's difficult with being quarantined. I know our state is relaxing uh, guidelines mm-hmm. and lifting restrictions. Other states, they're still they're still frozen yeah. essentially. So. Um, so there's a it, this is a complicated situation, right, that we're living in right mm-hmm. now. But mutatis mutandis, so respecting all the differences. I think if we can learn to practice self-giving love, like what Rodney Stark talks about in yeah. his book, uh, he essentially makes the argument, and we talk about this a lot, that the Roman Empire was transformed not by the power or the miracles mm-hmm. of the early Christians. In fact, his argument is that the early Christians transformed the Roman Empire by their self-giving love, wow. right? In two different plagues, we don't know what those plagues were, right? Could have been measles, smallpox, which mm-hmm. devastated the known world. Right. It was Christians who went into these large urban centers like Rome, yeah. right? Very dense, pop, densely populated centers uh, where pagans were actually leaving and leaving family members to die on the streets. It was Christians. Their bodies are being piled up in the yeah, streets. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. We can't even imagine. Uh-uh. It was Christians, right, because they believed in the bodily resurrection, who went into the streets and nursed their pagan brothers and sisters even with, back to health. Even with the threat of death and suffering. Mm-hmm. And some Christians lost their and lives. And they did. Yeah. yeah. And so we're obviously not advocating that. Right. Right. So this isn't <laughs> like, mean, let's... But I mean, our healthcare workers on the front lines exactly. who are protecting themselves. But And I think of those Christian yeah. nurses and doctors and all those that are on the front lines. I mean, to me, they represent so much of that from the yeah. early Roman Empire. And But I love this because it reminds me of Paul um, when he talks about um, agape love, yeah. right? First Corinthians 13, which obviously they love to quote at weddings and we've somehow modernized it and made it about marriages and it was never intended to be written specifically only for married couples. It's great for couples, but Apostle Paul didn't write it for um, a wedding ceremony. He wrote it for the early Christians and agape loved, love is patient, love is kind, all those things meant, what does agape mean? It's charitable, it's Mm -hmm. benevolent. It's, It's not a 
It's not a noun. It's not just a description. Love to Paul when he uses agape is action. Agape love is what Christians do. It's who Christians are. And I think this is really good, Chris, like thinking about in our response right now is to remember who we are. We're Christians. We're Christians first before we're anything else. And what do Christians do? A Christian, Christians practice that self-giving love, that agape, that benevolent, active, action, charitable love. It gives out. It doesn't expect anything back, Mm -hmm. pours out, loves, extends that, which I think helps when it comes down to these polar opposite views and understanding in like back to the James scripture, when you're living in this action of love, you'll be slower to speak. And don't you think like if you're really living in that reality, I mean, maybe it's a personal self check, heart check for us is if I can't close my mouth, maybe the issue is more, I need to get back to walking in this self-giving love. Yeah. Maybe to be honest, maybe if and if I can't be honest with myself, like you said, and have some humility to recognize, I struggle sometimes with this when someone has a different opinion or preference. Um, before I before I fix them, you know, it's, yeah. we're always trying to fix everyone, which is impossible, by the way. Yeah. Before maybe I should stop trying to fix someone and I should and assess God. Am I walking in this agape, self giving kind of love? Yeah for my community, for the people around me, because that to me seems like what the Christian response should be. That's great, that's great. And I I just think that, and James makes it very uh, explicit that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. And so I think our response, and I think what you're saying, Trace, is okay, let's let's be merciful. Yeah. Right? Um, And that's a royal law of love that James talks about, it's what Paul talks about. And if that's something that we can do, I think we can find ourselves in that tension between two opposites. And I think what merciful does, right? It doesn't try to control outcomes. Yeah. It doesn't try to control behavior. In fact, it actually, in 1 Corinthians 13, it believes all things, Yeah. right? So how many of us are just plain old exhausted <laughs> and say stupid things? Yeah, right? right. I've said dumb things this last month and a half. A lot of it, I take full responsibility for right. the words that come out of my mouth. Um, but I think, you know, many times people are wiped out, they're mm-hmm. exhausted, and just some interesting stuff comes out. And I think if we just practice mercy uh, in this difficult time, I think that would go a long ways to bring um, healing uh, in our nation. Yeah, and I, like to speak to that point, like when you're exhausted or you're stressed or you're fearful, mm-hmm. oftentimes out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth yeah. speaks. So oftentimes I think we do tend to maybe say something that we wouldn't normally say outside of this fear pandemic, this season of stress. I mean, I know, and I have so much empathy for families who financially have been burdened during this. I mean, there's a lot of people who have lost jobs. Um, You know, it's, it's impossible to get a hold of unemployment right now. So people have been out of work for maybe months you know that by this point and still haven't received a check for unemployment there's not a lot of places higher i mean there's of course there's stress and and fear and worry and anxiety and all these things but i do i think this this is helping me to understand okay how can i help people who are going through this how do i assess and work on myself and how I respond, because when I'm in that state, let's be honest, none of us say good things No. when we're at the end of ourselves, right? So we can we can move forward. The grace and the mercy that you're talking about is 
can rush into us and right where we are and we can receive that forgiveness, that mercy. And in a moment, we can begin to start speaking and responding as a Christian should in this time. And, and I just, my hope is that we will be people and we will be a church that's marked by this kind of self-giving love and that people come out of this and are grateful for um, how we have helped them and encouraged them. Not that we've done it perfect because I'm sure we haven't. It's, 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 it's weird for us like to go completely digital overnight, literally overnight as pastors, it's unique. How do you stay connected with your community and your church and know exactly everything that's going on? And I know we haven't done it perfectly, um, but I'm hoping that we're all learning and growing and we give space for people to grow and we give grace for people to grow. That's good. Um, Because I think that's the only way we can get through um, something like this. And hopefully in our lifetime, we will never experience another pandemic again. Yeah. And I think really quick, too, I think to be merciful doesn't mean you have to give up your strong beliefs. Right. I think you can have strong beliefs and be merciful and not demonize the other. Mm-hmm. Right. I, again, I just don't think those three things are mutually exclusive. Um, and it's a mystery, right? It's a paradox. That's what love is. Love and truth, they work together. Yeah. And I, I just think that... Um, we have to be okay with not figuring everything out. And then as you just said, extend mercy, don't demonize. And at the same time, we can keep our strong beliefs about something. And again, I think that is uh, a defining uh, feature of our response as Christians in this, in this crisis. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So I think, I think the takeaway really is like, let's respond. Like James says, let's, let's, let's be slow to speak quick to quick to mm-hmm. hear quick to listen and let's let if we do that i think our action will naturally overflow into self-giving love i just i think it will i and that's the th- that's the beauty about following jesus is that i think um it's i know it's not easy always to <laughs> walk like a christian talk like a christian but i but i think it's simple it is it's just not always easy mm-hmm. And I think the simple truth is this. It's like if we can take these principles and we can truly um, put ourselves in another person's shoes, let's let's practice some empathy. I wrote a book on it, a little book, like little tag for myself. Um, but I mean, I talk, yeah. this is a, this is, empathy is a big topic for me and something I'm passionate about. And I think if this is a good time for us to practice more of it for one another um, and know where everybody's at in this yeah. situation. There are families that have, immune compromised members in their family or you know people who are part of the vulnerable um percentage and you know what i'd be wearing a mask wear gloves you can come to church you can wear a mask you can wear gloves like all about it and then there are some people that just don't even think this thing they think they're immune to all suffering god bless you 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 can live that life too but let's all have empathy and grace for one another let's extend mercy god has been so merciful Mm -hmm. to us Let's be merciful to one another and let's live a life that's um, that's self-giving love. You down? Should we do I, it? Yes. Do you think we answered the world's problems in this podcast? I'm pretty sure we did. <laughs> we, we attempted. I think people are blown away right now. Are first. they? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. But no, this has been good. Thanks, Chris. It's a good conversation and I'm glad we were able to talk about it. I hope it encourages you and if you've been listening and maybe you're in a situation where, um, you know, this, this pandemic has really affected you emotionally, spiritually, physically. 
please know we are praying for you and we are a community that supports you and wants to surround you. So if you do have any prayer requests or needs um, and, and or even just you need someone, I, I love what Pastor Chris was saying. We need people who are slow to speak and quick to listen. And if, if anything else, you just need someone to listen to you. You Maybe you're feeling isolated and alone. Please reach out to us. You can email us at cyapodcast at capitalchurch.co and we'd love to connect with you and help in any way possible. But anyway, this is a good, good podcast. Thanks for joining Chris. And um, we can't wait to be with you guys next week. Hey, everyone. Thanks for being with us today. We hope that you were encouraged. We want to remind you, subscribe to our podcast. You can be listening in every week. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We have our Instagram at Capital Young Adults. We also have our Facebook page. We'd love if you would follow us on there. And also, if you have any prayer requests, we want to be praying with you. Shoot us a direct message or an email. That way we can be praying with you in this time. We love you guys. We hope you have the best week, and we can't wait to be back with you this time next week.